Hi, CityCast listeners. On Fridays, we like to talk about the week's news. So here to do that with me today is Raj Mankad, the editorial editor for the Houston Chronicle, and Dina Kesba, CityCast Houston's own lead producer. It is Friday, July 29th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. All right. Raj and Dina, let's talk about the news. How are y'all? Great. Good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So, Dina, do you want to get us started? What do you think the biggest story is this week? Monkeypox. Yeah. <laughs> A thousand percent. It is freaking me out. Maybe I shouldn't panic, but I kind of can't help but panic considering the city and everyone's like, oh, this is becoming a health emergency. And also we have a very limited amount of vaccines. And also you should get tested because you could get it. <laughs> so all these things, all these factors are kind of worrying me. Monkeypox is so much less contagious than COVID that I'm not as freaked out, you know, unless you're rubbing up against human beings. <laughs> Isn't it also like face-to-face, like long prolonged face-to-face contact with people? Right. But how often do I have that these days? Because I'm worrying about COVID, too. Okay. Apparently, a lot of people in Houston are because they're all getting COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's out and about. I don't know what world you live in. <laughs> yeah. I just published an op-ed by Dr. Deborah Burks, whose name you might remember mm-hmm. from the great year of 2020. She was uh, the coronavirus lead coordinator you know, right under Mike Pence. Right. I remember her scowling in those press conferences. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, she wrote that we clearly haven't learned our lessons, mm-hmm. even from the coronavirus pandemic, and we didn't act fast enough on monkeypox. Mm. And she should know because she was part <laughs> of, <laughs> of that yeah. response. But yeah. now she's a fellow at uh, the this uh, George Bush Institute. Mm. Yeah. It is worrisome. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary. But, but yeah, I guess... Especially for folks who um, have a whole lot of casual or close contact. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of AIDS. It's spreading fastest among gay men. The photographs of the protests from New York about access to the vaccine. I was just shocked yeah. looking at the photos. Mm-hmm. It, it, they look like higher res versions of the photos from the 80s. Right. It's yeah. a, it's a fi- and the flashback. 90s. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also worried, you know, because it isn't necessarily sexually transmitted, but just transmitted by close contact, presumably it's going to jump into small children. And so what happens, you know, in daycares and in schools? I haven't heard people talking about mm-hmm. that yet, but... I, I think there have been a few confirmed pediatric cases. There have, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, all right. So, Rosh, what else? What is the big story that you're watching this week? The big story mm-hmm. is the news that Manchin has come to the table on a, a major bill that would fund climate action, among other things. It's over $400 right. billion dollars and would invest in wind turbines, solar panels, electric cars, batteries, minerals for batteries, hydrogen, a whole gamut, including agricultural practices. It would include <laughs> loans, right. uh, a green bank that right. would sort of accelerate the already uh, substantial amount of private investment going into renewables. This is a, a very big deal 
for the mm-hmm. existential crisis we face. <laughs> so the the planet is yeah. on fire. You know, I yeah, I have a family in the West running from fires. Oh, literally. Yeah, it's burning. Oh, I'm sorry. I was noticing that um, it includes some money for, I don't know if they're calling it climate justice, but to make sure that relatively poor people are also included in these, you know, big rollouts. And I think that'll have a disproportionate effect in Houston. You know, that's one of our problems is that low-income communities are being heavily affected. That's right. We have a whole lot of sometimes they're called fence line communities you know the the folks in manchester yeah on the fence line of the refineries yeah on the east side in port arthur um yeah all up and down the coast we benefit from the oil and gas industry for sure it's still you know our major industry but uh and we all actually all of us breathe the air that uh, these plants, <laughs> mm. you know, it, it, the, the air doesn't yeah. stop at, at a particular zip code. That's true. But, you know, some people live closer than, than others. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also just, I'm thinking a lot about the heat this week. You know, those communities that don't have a lot of trees tend to be poorer and hotter. I don't know whether this money will be going toward some sort of remedial action to keep those neighborhoods cooler, but I hope so. Right, breaking up the heat island effect. Yeah. Well, I talked to uh, an expert at Rice, Dan Cohen, about the mansion bill, mm-hmm. and he described it as a game changer. Oh, wow. Um, uh-huh. the, the fact sheets coming out from the Senate, Democrats claim that it would get us 40% of the way to uh, Biden's 2030 goal of reducing emissions from their peak by 50%. So we don't know if that really is an accurate number. It hasn't been assessed independently, but uh, it's really promising. And how could you? But at least it's something. It's big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a reason to feel more hopeful about uh, climate action than just a couple of days ago. Of course, yeah. Manchin might change his mind again. <laughs> I'm getting whiplash. So can we be hopeful? Really? I'm wondering. Uh, or somebody else might just not show up on the day of the vote. Who knows? Oh, man. Yeah. I've got white knuckles on that one. I guess I'll try to be positive. Yeah. I have been watching the fights over freeway expansion. And, you know, this week we added a new fight. Um, there's that proposal to elevate a section of I-10 uh, as it goes between uh, downtown and Heights Boulevard. The idea is that if you put those lanes way up in the air, they won't flood. But it means the neighborhood might flood. You know, it's not clear whether it would and also would definitely be getting a lot more noise. And when you put that in the context of all the complaints about I-45 expansion, it just seems to me that Something is really changing in Houston that, you know, people inside the city no longer see freeways as a necessary good thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, that to me seems like a turning point in Houston and the way that the city is built and the way we all live. Possibly. Maybe. It does feel that way. Yeah. Um, I happen to live very close to that freeway <laughs> in the Heights. You drive it frequently? 
I drive it. I frequently walk under it, ride my bicycle <laughs> under and over it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you ride your bike near free. Oh, that's right. Okay, the path is what you're talking about there, right? The bike path that goes along I-10? Yeah, and possibly lifting it might uh-huh. help uh, make the bike path more connected, although it's pretty well connected now, and I'm very excited about the bridge that finally will connect the White Oak Trail right at Studemont. That's MKT Bridge? Well, there's the MKT Bridge that's finally getting fixed. I think it might have already reopened. Um, But there's also the White Oak, the trail on White Oak itself near the MKT. And uh, it's a very long trail. So this isn't just about the heights. It's about the entire northwest side getting a continuous trail into downtown. And I'll come back to the highway point, but I just want to say... I was going to say, yeah, this is... (laughs) This is the opposite of a highway. The Bayou Greenways, right? Just, you know, remember right. just a few years ago, I think it's 2012, the city voters overwhelmingly passed this bond, $100 million, which is kind of a lot of money, but it's a drop in the bucket compared to what's spent on TxDOT. Mm. Yeah. And then, you know, it got delayed a bit by, you know, massive flooding and a pandemic, mm-hmm. but those trails are happening and people are using them, that kind of investment is less expensive. It improves our quality of life, doesn't increase carbon emissions. It it helps with property values. It delights neighborhoods, right. Right, and it's used by people of all classes and races. Mm. So how about a little bit more of that (laughs) uh, and less of these highway interchanges that cost one highway interchange, right? costing uh, as much as, you know, this entire bikeway or bike system, regional bike system. Yeah. Or roughly the amount. Yeah. I do want to point out, though, uh-huh. that there is a precedent for TxDOT working collaboratively with Metro. So sometimes we say like, oh, well, we want more commuter rail or uh, we don't need more of these highways. Let's pay attention to the fact that that our successful or relatively successful commuter bus system is integrated with the highways. Right. So let's push for better use of of those. Integration there. Yeah, I think Metro has. Dedicated. We want more dedicated lanes for, Mm -hmm. you know, dedicated lanes for buses, more of that. Yeah. And less for cars. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of this idea of planning the freeways more for people inside the city or at least giving people inside the city as much weight as people who are driving through it, you know, from the far suburbs or other cities. I think that the mistake that we've made, well, the mistake that folks who are advocates on transit and walking and bicycling, I think there's not enough mm-hmm. effort to engage and activate people who are outside of, you know, the inner part of Houston. So, I mean, yeah. we really need... Uh, a, a vision and and citizens, voters asking for this. We need allies, you know, mm-hmm. in the exurbs. So, are you talking about outside the loop? Are you talking about Fort Bend County? Yeah, like people in talking- Richmond, people in Richmond, Texas. Let's say you moved to Sealy or Richmond. Yeah. Like, why did you move there? Did you move there because you wanted a giant highway ramming, you know, <laughs> right. right near your neighborhood, so you have that loud sound Mm -hmm. all the time and and more and more and more development? Or did you move there because you liked the small town feel and you want a boundary between cities, not this 
amorphous, never-ending spread. Yeah. So, you know, I think that there there can be a mutually beneficial vision for people who live, you know, mm-hmm. well inside the city and people who live way out. You are such a yeah. utopian, Raj. I like that world. <laughs> there is hope in that. The, the effort yeah. to change Texas will, would fail any other way, right? Yeah. It's a state institution. Right. You know, they need to, those, I've talked a lot to TxDOT engineers. They're not bad people. No. Right. And they're smart (laughs) and they're good at doing what they're asked to do. Right. So what's needed is that they be asked to solve the right problems, you know, uh, consistently, you know, by all, (laughs) by, by the right mix of stakeholders. Yeah. Like, look at the bike trail. So they, TxDOT builds bike trails, like, and when they do, they're They're sturdy Uh and useful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ask them to do that more. So we just need more of that. (laughs) Yeah. I'll put that on my Christmas list. (laughs) (laughs) Dina, what do you think the most overlooked story in Houston was this week? Um, I was reading about how the city of Houston is going to now address the very unhygienic apartment complex after a lot of residents were complaining. I mean, one resident was saying that they caught like 10 rats in their apartment in one night. Oh, wow. What, where Where is this complex? What is this one? It's like East Houston. Okay. Uh, Timber Ridge Apartments. Uh-huh. And it made me think there is a, this is not the only apartment. There are a lot of apartments that are nasty in Houston. Some of them, unfortunately, my friends and some family live in. Oh. And it's like, you know, are they going to start addressing this problem? That's clearly an issue. Like people shouldn't have to have money to live in a decent place. You shouldn't have to be subjected to such poor living conditions just because you can't afford to live someplace better. And it makes me wonder, like, will they tear these down? Will they rebuild them? But a conversation has to be had because it's not right and something definitely has to change. Yeah. You know, in Houston, we we, we don't give enough attention to renters. We, you know, yeah. we think of the city as a city of, of single family houses, but, mm-hmm. you know, more than half of us are renters. Yeah. And, uh, and with housing prices now, that's going up. Right. Yeah. So, you know, why don't we have uh, people at the city and the county level who are really inspecting, you know, and, and, and making sure yeah. that these places are safe. I think that need, that needs more funding, more staffing. Yeah. Yeah. And holding landlords accountable. Like some residents were complaining about how they'll call with issues with their stove to get fixed and no one would ever show up. You know, landlords are just kind of, it's like free reign for them. They'll charge a set amount and they'll tell people, oh yeah, you've got access to this and this and that. But then in reality, you don't. And there's no one to really hold them accountable to following through to what they say they'll do. And people are locked into their leases, even if they're not getting the services. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a huge problem. Yeah. And housing, affordable housing is a huge problem too. So there aren't a lot of competing landlords that you can go to. Yeah. There's all kinds of conversations we could have about uh, that the housing that's being built mm-hmm. is often luxury housing or, you know, higher end housing. Yeah. Because that's the most profitable for the builders. Yeah. Uh, you know, and how can we make it more profitable for developers to build affordable housing. You know, are there way, are there changes we can make to yeah. the city codes, the development codes? And um, 
I understand that there is some movement there on chapter 42, mm-hmm. the section of the, the code. Chapter 42, chapter 42 my 42, favorite. Chapter yeah. 42. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, if you're an urban nerd, that's like, uh-huh. you know, tattooed on your brain. <laughs> yeah. Where the city code requires a certain setback and a certain amount of parking and... You know, um, it doesn't tell the developer all the boring and important stuff. Yeah, it doesn't stuff. tell them right. what shape to build a building, except that it does. Because once you take all these rules into account, you end up with a particular form, and then it's you know profitable only if you do it a certain way. So, um, can they adjust that so that you know instead of tons of luxury apartments we don't really need going up we get stuff that people can afford Mm -hmm. yeah that's a story i really want to watch all right raj what do you think the story that should have gotten more attention is this week well the department of justice is investigating houston for discrimination in its responsiveness to 311 calls Mm -hmm. Uh, uh-huh. especially regarding um, illegal dumping. We'll see what they find. I'm not all that certain that... As a as a civil rights issue, right? Yeah, as a civil rights issue. That the neighborhoods that are poorer and usually black and brown neighborhoods are getting much lower service for the same kinds of calls. I think it's definitely a gigantic problem for much of Houston, especially neighborhoods that are majority... Um, black and brown. Mm. The problem has been, you know, around for decades, and 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 the deeper roots of it, you know, don't does you know doesn't have to do with decisions made in the last few years by Mayor Sylvester Turner. I remember I was part of this Kinder Institute Next City Magazine little uh-huh. initiative where a bunch of creative folks were sent in teams to different vacant lots in Houston. And uh, I was with a group of designers that was sent to this lot uh, on Lyons Avenue. Uh-huh. When we got there, there were just tons of, of old tires. Uh, and I think some newer old, t- new used you know, tires piled up everywhere. Some of them had been <laughs> around for so long, these tires, that there were mature trees yeah. growing through the middle of the tires. Oh, growing. So that gives you an idea of how long this problem has been going on. Wow. And then, you know, you ask, well, why is this lot right. that's, you know, really, you know, close to this downtown Houston? Why is it vacant? Well, it wasn't always vacant. It used to be at the heart of Fifth Ward's black community. And then, you know, the the interchange, yeah. the highway interchange, back to the highway interchanges and tax not, but... <laughs> I-10 and uh, 59 North, that interchange was just crucified, the main street in Fifth Ward. And so what was a thriving street of of retail was now a vacant lot. So the the roots go back. And often it's not clear who owns a lot of these lots. So you can't hold the property owner accountable for cleaning it up. And so the neighborhoods just end up with these dumps. Still, I hope this DOJ investigation brings more attention to the problem, you know, yeah. anything, any, we need to try all yeah. strategies to address this big problem. And it makes a difference in people's daily lives. You don't want to be next to living next to a big pile of garbage. Mm, true. Yeah. So my underplayed story is kind of fun. 
there's a guy named Dan Hartzell, who's a Houstonian. He has founded something called the World Air League, and he wants to have an around-the-world blimp race. Um, he wants to have airships that go from city to city, racing across the globe. And he's actually getting backers for this <laughs> idea. Um, he's got like Prince Albert II of Monaco on board and Bruce Dickinson, the lead singer for Iron Maiden and a couple <laughs> of astronauts. And I just, I love the idea that this could actually happen in a couple of years. And Houston would be one of the 17 cities where the airships would race to and from. I love the idea of, of, of racing airships because, I mean, how fast are these things going? <laughs> it's like speed walking or something. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're such peaceful, quiet things. It's, it's sort of the opposite <laughs> of my idea of speed. One of my favorite yeah. words, and every time I say it, my kids cringe, it's steampunk. I just, it's just so steampunk. I love the, I love the cool retro future vibes to this right, idea. Right, and the idea of a race, an around the world race, that just seems, was it Jules Verne who wrote the around the world race? I don't remember who the heck was doing that's that. That's right, that's right. I love that book. seems very Victorian, <laughs> but um, yeah, and I can imagine the audience. It'd be really fun. It would be like a combination of sport and Comic-Con. And reality TV show. Oh, yeah, we could do a reality TV show. Yeah. I so hope this yeah. happens. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Joy, Dina, what's making you happy this week? It was the viral TikTok video of a security guard at the Houston Toyota Center mm -hmm. who was bawling, like crying excessively at the Kendrick Lamar concert, and then Kendrick actually acknowledging the guy and giving him a shout out. And it was just such a beautiful mm -hmm. and touching moment. And the guy was just like, I just felt his music very deeply. I mean, he was like, I looked around, I saw the crowd, everyone was screaming and reacting to Kendrick and crying. Yeah. He was like, I just absorbed everyone's emotions and started to bawl. And he was like weeping. And everyone on TikTok is like crying with him because it was just such a beautiful, powerful moment to see someone really react to Kendrick's lyrics, which always are very powerful. His music is incredible. But then also Kendrick acknowledging it was huge. He didn't just be like, oh, okay, whatever. It's really just about the feeling of it. You know, at the end of the day, past all the politics, past all the numbers, it's what music make you feel, you know, how it make you feel. So to see that, and shout out to him, by the way, because I see him, bro, I was like, man, I wonder what he's going through, you know, but... At the end of the day, that's how you want everybody to perceive your music and, you know, make them feel good. Make but he saw like it and he acknowledged it. And I just loved that. It was such a nice moment. That does sound great. Raj, what about you? What is making you happy? You know what made me happy, brought me joy, was listening to your show <laughs> about ways to keep cool in Houston and uh, hearing from the guy who freezes his hats. I love the that hat popsicle guy. Is yeah. that what he called it? Hatsicle, Hatsicle. yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a good Hatsicle. one. Hatsicle. <laughs> that is absurd. Popsicles. I'm going to try it. You haven't tried it yet? I haven't yet. And then he claims that like, he's gotten his neighbors on board. <laughs> and all the kids in the neighborhood walking around with these frozen hats. Yeah. I never would have thought to freeze your hat. So it's pretty interesting. <laughs> it's going to be a thing, Raj. It's going to catch. I'm more in the camp that Mary, Mary Carol Edwards was <laughs> yeah. also on the show. And her, and her solution was just to own the heat, like just to be in it 
and get <laughs> hot and sweat and deal with it and be a farmer, you know, like. And shower. She was going to shower a lot. Yeah. You should go out there in heat and then drink hot tea. And sweaty and nasty. Oh, Raj. Yeah. Could not be me. Yeah. But that's kind of the Indian way, right? You, you drink hot tea yeah. in the summer and that kind of, you know, you just, you adjust to the heat. You don't resist. You give in. It's, it's hugging you and you should hug it back. You don't do ice cubes. Oh, no. Absorb the heat. <laughs> Forget Ayurveda. I want yeah. my ice cubes, Raj. <laughs> All right. The thing that's making me happy right now is that Beyonce is going to drop a new album today on Friday. You won't break my soul. 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 It always feels like a good Houston moment when her hometown singer does something, and they're always great. I'm kind of surprised that she's announced it, that it's a normal kind of album drop. It's not. Oh, it's normal. So you don't have to. You know, a Super Bowl halftime show or something. You don't have to buy special access to like an hour and a half long movie video on her special channel. How do you buy it? I need to know. (laughs) (laughs) I am excited too. So it's going to be released on Spotify and other streaming services. So it's kind of a regular album release, which is new for Beyonce. That's good. Don't have to jump through as many hoops. We can get our Beyonce easily. All right, y'all. This has been fun. Yeah, this is great. Me too. That is it for today here on CityCast Houston. Our lead producer is Dina Kesba. Our producer is Farrell Gibbs. And our newsletter writer is Brooke Lewis. The host is me, Lisa Gray. Music is by Farrell Gibbs and his band, All the Kimonos. We will be back on Monday. Talk with you then. I was thinking about this show since, you know, 2016, basically since Harvey, I've always felt like any day that's not a major catastrophe or have a giant disaster for Houston is a good day. So I feel thankful. <laughs> I still feel thankful anytime there's not an explosion. Mm-hmm. That's your moment of joy. Nothing explodes. No category <laughs> for hurricanes. <laughs>